it was their developmental exposure, exposure when they were very young, that was influencing their current abilities. Enough evidence in animals of various sorts should make us worried. You're listening to a Family Resiliency Center podcast hosted by Ryan Monahan. The Family Resiliency Center is a transdisciplinary research and policy center at the University of Illinois. In this podcast, we explore new research connecting plastic exposure during pregnancy and shortly after birth and its relationship to brain development. Joining me, Janice Jaraska, professor of psychology and neuroscience at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, and Daniel Kujis, health scientist at Cardinal Chemrisk. Their newly published study found a relationship between phthalates and deficits in cognitive function in rats. Now, your team was able to mimic phthalate exposure in humans with rats and found the rats who were exposed weren't as smart and an important part of their brains looked and operated different. Let's talk about that. I'm going to start with the part of the brain that we looked at, and I mean, admittedly, it's in a rat, but the rat has a primitive form of something that we have a very big form in in humans, okay? We have a very elaborate prefrontal cortex, and it does a lot of higher-order cognitive stuff. While it's not essential just to live, it's essential to live in our society. And people have been worried that there's things, chemicals in the environment, that are disrupting its development. And so we looked at a class of chemicals that is so common, you can't, you can't avoid them. You and I have already been exposed today. Right. Okay. Right. And they're called phthalates, a chemical used in plastics belonging to the same class as BPA. Phthalates are a class of endocrine disrupting chemicals. They're commonly used as plasticizers, but they're also used as additives in personal care products. They're used as binding agents in a lot of cosmetics. We are constantly exposed to phthalates through a variety of products, but predominantly we are exposed to phthalates through food. They're in foods because of how they've been packaged. They're in paints, artificial leather goods. They're in, I mean, it's, they're everywhere. And they can mess up hormones in the brain. They can either fake being the hormone or they can block the hormone. Our brains develop in part with hormonal influence. This may interfere with that. This may alter that. And your study found that rats who were exposed to these phthalates in utero and shortly after birth had cognitive deficits. Explain how you got there. So we were trying to mimic the amount of phthalates that women in the Champaign-Urbana area were exposed to. And you used a mixture of phthalates that's different than previous studies, and that mixture you used is likely to be much more relevant to human exposure. And that's really what makes this study so different and so groundbreaking than any of the other studies out there. All right, that is just different than anybody in the literature. And you did this with help of research done by your colleague, Sue Schantz. Dr. Schantz is studying phthalate exposure in women locally. She created a mixture of phthalates that was representative of the pattern of phthalate exposure for women in her study. And then your team strategically came up with a phthalate dose to give the rats. And that is what we gave the pregnant females. We fed it to them on cookies that they ate every day. And... um, they had their pups and... And then the pups grew up and you started giving them things to do. 
to test their behavior to see if there was any sort of difference between the rats that were exposed and the rats that weren't. And then we tested them. So there's two parts. We tested them on a behavioral test where they had to switch the strategy that they were using between days. Okay. So we looked at that and we found that the rats that had been exposed to phthalates when they were in utero, right, when their mothers were pregnant and exposed to phthalates, and then for the first 10 days when they were being nursed, those rats, they learned the initial task just fine, so it wasn't like they were generally dumb, right? But they had a harder time switching. They made many more mistakes in switching to the new rule when we gave it. Those that were exposed developmentally performed worse on this cognitive flexibility task such that they performed more errors when the tasks changed or when the rules changed. Than the, than the control rats who had never been exposed to these phthalates were. So they weren't as smart. Correct. In a way, <laughs> in, in, a, in, way, in, in, a, in a certain aspect. Because they did learn the initial task okay, so they weren't stupid. That's really scary when you think about how it could relate to humans, though, you know. But then you took it one step further and looked at their physical brains to see if there was anything going on. We did. Looked at their brains. And the area that is usually in charge of flexibility, cognitive flexibility, is the part we looked at. We looked at the cells and we did two things. We looked at the prefrontal cortex, which is an area that has to do with cognitive flexibility. The number of neurons and the number of connections they had were decreased when the animals had been exposed to either dose of phthalates. So not only just the neurons and the synapses, which are the cellular components of this region, but the region itself was smaller. And this was true for both males and females. Both showed the decrease and about the same percent of a decrease. All right. So the prefrontal cortex, well, it was working, but it just wasn't working. That edge, right, that you would want, even for a rat, wasn't there. That is so interesting. Now, the rat model, why the rat model and what's its relevance to humans? Many of the same cellular processes that go on in the rat brain development are the same in humans. If you actually looked at individual cells, now, you know, this is microscopic, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. The difference is in how big our brains are and how they're arranged, what connects with what. But at the individual cell level and what it takes for that cell to develop, it's actually the same. Now with this information, we come back to the overarching finding that phthalate exposure in utero and shortly after birth impacted brain development in rats. You found differences in their behavior and the physical makeup of the front part of their brain. And this study could have big meaning to humans. Can you talk a little bit about that? This is a part of the brain in humans that is especially large. We've developed it further, much further than the rats or even our primate cousins. And we use it for a lot of things like planning, etc. A very important part of the brain. And decision making. And disruptions in it are found with all sorts of things. Autism, ADHD, and later depression and schizophrenia, and addictions. You name a human psychiatric problem, and it has something to do with the prefrontal cortex. It might be because it's so big, a lot of things can go wrong easily. But it's very frightening once you start mucking with this part of the brain. Mucking with it isn't going to kill you, but it will change you. Right? And that is frightening. So yes, this is a cautionary study.
and it could change how humans are adapting and interacting in general society. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. It could change how, how we are. In our society, so many good things have happened across generations. We've gotten better nutrition, better medical care, and better education, and we've really become smarter. I really hope that our exposure to these man-made chemicals is not going to pull us in the other direction and create more problems. And in essence, lower the baseline of how smart we are as a society. Yes, that's the danger. Is any of that an exaggeration? You know, people might say, you know, are we really exaggerating a potential problem here? Could this really happen? It could really happen. It's going to be very difficult to prove in humans because we're all so varied in what we're exposed to and where we come from and all, all sorts of things that it's going to be, it, it will be almost impossible to prove in humans. But enough evidence in animals of various sorts should make us worried. More information on this study can be found in the Journal of Neuroscience or on the Family Resiliency Center website at familyresiliencycenter.illinois.edu under podcasts. Daniel Kujus's views and opinions in this paper and podcast are not representative of his current employer, Cardinal Chemrisk. I'm your host, Ryan Monahan. Thanks for listening.